0: Ronananian. It's a simple diagnosis because it's intermittent. What we used to do is just pry the cover down, pull down the cover gently, and disconnect the rain sense module. I
1: can't find no true love for baby so hard. And I still think about you every time I'm riding in my car?
0: The car doctor. This has Toyota WS fluid, which. You know, depending upon where you want to read and who you want to talk to, they'll tell you it's either lifetime until the trans blows up or at 50,000 miles. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Get in, get on, get off. Let's go have a phone call and talk about your automobile and see what's going on here. More information about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com, as well as podcasting there and uh, some changes to podcasting coming. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's in the network. Um, so let's just say that it's going to happen the next couple of weeks, and we think you'll like the changes we're making. We're working on that as well as the website. I know we've promised it for a long time, but it's going to happen. We've uh, we've made the commitment to uh, various places, more to come as it, as it evolves. So this radio show is about fixing your car. If you're new to it, we thank you for taking the time. If you're podcasting it, thanks for picking us up. Please click subscribe. And uh, just know that we're here to talk to you. We're here to talk to you about your car and uh, help solve the problem, whatever it might be. And um, that's really what this radio show is all about. That's all it's about, Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. You know, it's, uh, I'm not hard to talk to. I'm easy to get along with. Uh, not much to look at, but, um, you know, I'm just here to help you solve your car's problem, and that's all I really want to do. And, um, you know, as I go through each and every week and share with you the benefits of uh, what I think is a benefit of the 43-plus years of fixing cars, how can I be fixing cars for 43 years? I'm only 22 years old. You know, you blink, and it's like, Um, we were at the deli this morning, and we're walking out. Uh, from having breakfast and there was a young couple sitting there with the kids and the kids are all screaming and crying and carrying on and Susie looks at the, the mom and she goes it goes quick and i looked at the father and i said no it doesn't trust me it takes a long time to get to this point in the game but um you know how do i fix fixing cars for 43 years well it happens but in any event i've probably forgotten more than i remember and um, i'll try to remember it when you call and uh, help you solve your car's problem Anthony Emilio from Chicago. I love this guy, retired uh, Chicago PD. He, he always sends great articles. He keeps me up to date, what's going on out Chicago way. This was in the Chicago Tribune um, just about two weeks ago, or about three weeks ago. And it talks about, it's an article that talks about, it was published by, uh, the, originally in the L.A. Times, so this comes to us from the West Coast, technically, and um, it's written by Jack Fleming, and it talks about how technical upgrades is spurring leasing. But there's a lot in this article, and we actually did a little research and we found out from what we're seeing, when they report car sales, they're including leasing as part and parcel of that. And that's probably a good conversation. Tom, just make a note. I want to talk to Paul Eisenstein. And that would be a good conversation to have with Paul Eisenstein of the Detroit Bureau, com, and uh, see what he can tell us about the leasing phenomenon, because it seems like it's back. The article goes off like this. It says, buy a smartphone, use it for a couple of years, then ditch it for something new and improved. It's, the, it's a life cycle that has become the norm for cell phones. Now that same short-term relationship is applying to what traditionally has been a long-term commitment, cars. That's actually correct. Uh, you know, just this week... One of the Ananian girls said to me, she goes, well, you know, my, my Toyota, how come I spend $40,000 on my Toyota forerunner It doesn't have folding mirrors and sliding power roof and all the bells and whistles that the other little Ananians, uh, Ford Escape does. She's actually comparing luxury features, and I was stunned. I didn't think that, I, you know, I'm thrilled when it starts and it runs and it moves and it keeps me cool and dry and bad weather and all that kind of stuff. But evidently, we've reached a level where we're starting to look at the little bells and whistles. She's like, maybe I'll lease a Lexus. And that's what kind of led me to have this conversation with with all of you today. The article continues. Instead of buying a vehicle, more Americans are shifting to leasing, which allows drivers to utilize a newer used car for a limited amount of time, typically three years. A Detroit, a report from Edmonds, listen to this. A report from Edmonds, Edmonds.com, found that leasing volume has skyrocketed this decade to 4.3 million vehicles in 2016. In 2009... The first year reported after the Great Recession, as I remember it, we leased 1.4 million vehicles. That means since 2009 to 2017, or 2016 is when this started, we went up up almost four times uh, in terms of leasing volume. That's crazy. Last year marked the seventh consecutive year of leasing growth. Now, here's the part I don't get. I want to understand how come if cars are made better, and they're lasting longer. That a lot of you say, "I'm going to lease a car because I don't want to have to pay for repairs." That's the part I don't get. Because yeah, they they, they are they have gotten better. They are, um, they are you know a better vehicle per se. Um, you know, so I'm not sure why you're doing that. Let's go over to the phones real quick. I'll come back to this article a little bit more during the hour. I don't want to keep everybody waiting. Let's go to Stephanie in Kentucky. Stephanie, Ron and the car doctor. How can I help?
1: Hi. Hi. Good to talk to you. Um, yes, I have a your uh what well, you just out uh, reminded me of another question I have. But I have a Jeep Wrangler nineteen ninety nine. It's a sport two door. Okay. And uh, I bought it last summer just to the jet ski in and keep it around the lake. And the air conditioning was working great when I got it and but I noticed in a couple weeks that it started going out and then by the more weeks it was totally gone and this summer there was no air conditioning so I called the guy who bought it from and he said oh yeah you just go he said every couple years he just gets one of those little things that you buy when people get up it has a stop leak to fill the air compressor air the air conditioning right so I got that and I filled it up and he said that it usually lasts two summers for him but it lasted about two weeks and then started going out again and I guess my question is: Should I just keep doing that? Will it hurt the the
0: car? Or well, it's it sounds like whatever the leak is it has it sounds like whatever the leak is has gotten worse to the point that now it's it's you know it's not this big it's that big. Here is the problem with the stop leak stuff, and you know it, it does work in the right scenario. As as a consumer, I think some of the do it yourself AC kits work great. AC Pro comes to mind. AC Pro makes a great product. I think their stuff works really well. Where I cringe, all right, if I cringe anywhere in this process, it's that I want to know that the vehicle I'm working on has a refrigerant in it with a stop leak in it. Because it's a problem for me. I worry about it. Will that stop leak clog up my $6,000, $7,000 AC machine? That aside, if this was... you dumped it in, and it lasted, and it worked, and you didn't have the problem again, I wouldn't worry about it. The fact that you're continuing to do it tells me that it has a chronic problem that's just going to get expensive and messier. Do you think long-term you're planning to keep the vehicle any length of time? Stephanie? I
1: drive it for the two months. Yeah, I drive it only for the two months in
0: the summer. Right. You know, because the problem becomes well here's here's the concern I've got. The first concern I've got is um, more so than you being cool i'm I'm just concerned if the compressor has an issue and the compressor were to fail, this is a ninety nine wrangler uh, you know is this is this the four oh this is the straight six or is this the four cylinder? <laughs> um, what, what do you think? Well, because the concern is if there's one belt driving everything. And the compressor...
1: Were I think it might be a 4.0. I think I saw that
0: on yeah, the side of it. Yeah, okay. So if it's a four oh, it's one belt driving everything, and if the compressor gets gummed up enough and has has an issue, you know, and the compressor fails, then you're going to lose the belt, and then you've got an even bigger issue because now you're on the side of the road. and oh. You know, so so I, I'd sort of like to know. And, and if you're running... You know, and I don't know what brand of stop leak you're running through it and whose refrigerant it is, uh, but, you know, if, if, if the habit has been to run the compressor low on refrigerant over time, compressors get oiled by, the, by, by means of the refrigerant. There's oil suspended in the refrigerant. There's also some oil in the compressor itself. So think of it like this. You, you've sort of cut off the blood supply to the heart. So, you know, you, you've cut it down from a large volume. The artery sort of shrunk to a very small size, and now you're—it's kind of down to a trickle. Sooner or later, it's going to fail, right? Same thing with the AC compressor. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've got a concern there. I would tell you to pay somebody for a diagnosis. The fact that it leaked out in two weeks tells me there's going to be a wet spot somewhere. All right. Uh- and, you know, it's kinda like look for the wet spot. It's it's even being the point that you might have to fill it up with refrigerant and add a dye to it, but you should readily be able to see it and at least get a diagnosis so you know what you're dealing with. All right? And and, okay. and, and then at least you know, because chances are and I'm gonna take a guess here, chances are this is a condenser, not a compressor, a condenser. All right, which is okay. the which is the piece in front of the radiator. And they're not they're not terribly expensive to replace. I'm going to say a, a decent condenser, you know, you can pop onto O'ReillyAutoParts.com and take a look at pricing. But a decent condenser is probably in the two two hundred and fifty dollar range, and then it's a it's a couple of hours of labor. It's not super nuts, but you know, letting an AC system sit dormant, empty of refrigerant, is like letting a house sit empty for the long haul. You know, weird things happen and um, it's just not good for it over okay. the over, over the time frame. So if you fix the condenser, if the condenser is the leak, fix the condenser. Uh, you know, charge it. You'll actually promote the life of the compressor and avoid the expensive repair later on down the line. Does that Does that make sense for you? Yes. Thank you. All right. So, yes. I s- have one other question Go
1: that ahead. you generated by the least thing you were talking about. Right. I also have a. Subaru Crosstrek, that's a 2015, uh, 17,000 miles on it, right. and I, I'm trying to decide what is the best thing to keep a car until it just totally dies, or to trade it in every two years to stay new and keep the tax advantage.
0: I think, well, and you said the magic word, tax advantage. You know, if, if a car is a write-off, if it's a business proposition, it changes the picture. Okay. Uh I I think the biggest thing to think about, you know, purchasing a car, business decisions and tax deductions aside, all right, I think it really comes down to how much car do you need? Do you need a $30,000 car, whatever it is? You know, it's widgets. Do you need a $30,000 widget? Sure, go ahead, keep it. After that car is three years old, whatever it is, I don't care who made it, all right, barring some exotic German-European Highline something, the average car, Based on what I read in trends and reports, the average car over an eight- to nine-year life cycle will require $125 a month maintenance. All right? So if you think about it, you buy that car when it's brandy new. It it drives the first two, three years. You do a couple of oil changes. That, that seems to be in line there. And that number doesn't include gas, tires, and oil either. All right? It's just, you know, we're talking general repairs. Um, by the time you get to year five, you've done maybe a 30,000-mile service on it. Maybe you've put brakes on it. You've done fluids. You've done filters. And all of a sudden, that number sort of falls in line. It's You've got to compare your cost to repair versus cost to replace versus cost to register a new insurance. You know, there's a whole bunch of economic factors that come into play. Now you add in that it's a business vehicle and it's a deduction, that's a different conversation. That's something to consider. Well. I'll tell, you what, right, I'll tell you what, Stephanie, stay right where you are. Let me pull over and take this pause, because it's a good question. I don't want to rush you. Let me just stay right where you are. Let me pull over and do this. When we come back, we'll talk about it. I'm running into the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. Feeling good doing this radio show. Hello, Ron and Angie and the Car Doctor here, and uh, we're talking to Stephanie in Kentucky. Stephanie, I'm sorry I had to pull over and do that. Um, going back to your question. You're still there, Steph? Um, you know, yes. so you're driving a 2015 Subaru. You've got about 17,000 miles on it. I guess th- what you're really asking me is, when's the time to get rid of it? Right? Well, my thought was
1: um, because my tax advantage I was talking about is sales tax. You only pay sales tax on the First. Okay. I don't know the extra that you pay. Right. So I, my kind of thinking was I'm probably going to be retiring about seven or eight years to keep the car new every two years and not put that much more into it. And then once I retire and have less income to drive it until it dies. Well, but I don't know. I could be thinking incorrectly.
0: And and no, I think I think you're thinking right because you're you're thinking about lifestyle and you're thinking about gross expense. You know, there's a a couple of ways to look at it. When you retire, what's going to be the income? The income level is obviously going to go down, but your expense level is going to go down. And when I start to think about what will I do when I retire, because someday I will, I promise. I keep telling myself this. You know, if I'm on a fixed expense, it really comes down to how much car can I find and what car will I find that I like what I want to drive? I was talking to someone this morning. They were talking about leasing a Kia. I said, oh, OK, a Kia, you know, it's depending on what Trump does in North Korea. It might be a car company might be around a couple of years. I'm thinking to myself either that or everybody with a Kia and a Hyundai is going to have a collector car in about two weeks. But you won't be able to get parts. But, you know, it, it kind of comes back to the cost. And I said, well, what is it going to cost to lease a Kia? Three hundred dollars a month. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And this wasn't a full-size Kia. This was, like, one of the smaller ones. And I'm like, $300 a month to lease a Kia, putting $3,000 down? That just doesn't sound like a great deal. Uh, you, you know, it just – so, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe the answer is maybe it's not leasing because leasing limits mileage, and maybe it's not buying no, because
1: – right.
0: <laughs> and, and, Well, and maybe it's not buying a new car because you're taking the hit on depreciation the moment it rolls off the lot. I, I'm starting to think that cars are made so well today, and I think the majority of them are. I just think what kills them is they're, they're maintained incorrectly or poorly. that causes their demise early. Is I start to think more about certified pre-owned. And that, that two-year-old car with 20,000 miles on it, look, there's nothing wrong with that. Unless that car was severely abused or, or really trashed, you know, these 20,000-mile two-year-old cars, these pre-owned cars, to me... I, I think, you know, instead of paying $45,000 for a car, you're paying thirty. are you are saving $15,000, uh, you know, the, and the technology is still there. And I think that's something we all have to stop and think about. Listen, at the end of the day, cars are a lifestyle. They really are. It's how much car can you afford and what do you want to drive and what makes you happy. And, you know, everybody wants to drive that big, flashy. I just want to get around because I know sooner or later it's going to break. Uh, it's funny. I've said this a couple of times this week, Steph. That you know, people ask me. Somebody was talking to me the other day about you know, why don't I go to the car show anymore? I haven't been to the car show that, and I'm I'm ten miles from the Jacob Javits Center here in New York to go to the New York Auto Show, one of the biggest auto shows in the world. I don't go anymore, and people say why, and I say because I go to it and I see the technology and I see the cars and I keep thinking, in five years it's going to be broken and I'm going to have to fix it. What's the difference? Uh, you know, it's just it just it's just it's just another. You know, and then sometimes buying a new car is, I mean, I don't know, I'm probably bad for the car dealers out there that are sponsoring the show and the affiliates across the country, but I just think that sometimes buying a new car entitles you to the privilege of throwing it away one piece at a time. I think there's moments you need to buy a new car. I agree with that, but I think you have got to have to have a specific purpose in mind. I think it's got to be, you know, you're looking for a lifestyle change, you're looking for some technology, you're looking for features that you don't have in your current car. Uh, Yes, I would agree with you in that when to get rid of a car, maybe you get rid of a car based on you know, how much more you're going to lose if you keep it another year, and what can you get into. And I like the way you're thinking, Steph. It's a question that's its always changing. It's a constantly evolving, changing target, and I'm never quite sure of the answer because it's going to change six months from now again. Let me know where you end up, Steph. I'd like to hear your answer. Um, I really would. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. We're on the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, podcasting at cardoctorshow.com. Connie in Washington State, a 2003 Volkswagen Jetta hasn't been started for a year. Connie, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help?
2: Well, thank you, Ron. I've been through the mill in like the car for several oh, years there. here about now or about a year now i haven't even started it because i've been trying to figure out what's wrong with it i think to go back ron it all started or something bad started when i went through about five or six sets of breaks inside of a year come to find out that it was not his fault but um i had hit a pothole and broken a a major thing in the front end Of my car and so my mechanic got some parts from the wrecking yard to replace that front end and one of them was it was not good and so now every time that I change the brakes I have to have a uh, on-car brake lathe
0: okay right they can't oh they can't well I guess what he's saying is they can't change the rotor they're cutting the rotor on the car
2: for some reason, no, it's not. That's not to do with the brake. It's to do with the alignment of the tires, and so the tires like go in. I, I think that was the thing they they point in. The front tires go in, and so to make them go straight down the road, they have to have an on-car brake lathe. Okay, well that's one issue, but you know I'm dealing with that issue. Okay, so now what's the next thing that happened here? Number two. No, number two, um, we noticed, my mechanic noticed that there were lots and lots of air bubbles in the fuel line coming from the fuel pump. Okay. Now, he noticed this because my car was dying under load. Going uphill, it would just die. I'd get it towed someplace to a mechanic or home or whatever, and in 15 minutes, the darn thing would start. It was fine.
0: Okay. Did he ever screw a fuel yes. pressure gauge yes. onto the system to see if, what fuel pressure, volume, and, and cleanliness of the system was? No. Okay.
2: He oh. did put a he did put a, a pressure tester on. Well, maybe that's what you call it. Yeah. Like something or other up right. there.
0: Right. We want it. We want yeah, to put a fuel okay, pressure so gauge on that. it. Did it? And when it when no. it when it died, did it lose fuel pressure?
2: I would have no idea.
0: Okay. Well, what did he find? I, did he did he say that it lost fuel pressure, or did he just screw it on? And
2: oh, he found he found a small air leak just above the fuel tank under the back seat. Okay. And okay. so he replaced all of that. I, I know I bought it. I, he replaced that tubing that went from the fuel tank up to well, yep. as much as he had to
0: replace. Right. It a lot of times, day. a lot of times the line itself gets porous. It gets porosity in it, and it, it, it'll bleed air just like mm-hmm. you're describing. Okay. So is that fixed right. now? Is that part working?
2: Mm-hmm. No, you know that those darn bubbles are still there. Okay. We just don't know what to think of it.
0: Does, the, does many people. Does the car cut out? Does the car still shut off?
2: No, it does not. Um, well, let's see. Yes, it did shut off many, many times. It did. And I had it towed many times also. Well, okay, so I, I don't... We finally got beyond that issue of the car dying because we thought it was air in the fuel line. But then we started thinking that it was more the electrical system that was making it die. The battery was dying. I ended up buying two brand new batteries for that car because the battery was always dying because the radiator, two radiator fans would run for 10 minutes exactly after the engine was turned off.
0: Okay. Let me ask you this question, Connie. You haven't been driving the car for a year? Correct. Have how have you been getting around?
2: I have another vehicle.
0: Okay. How bad do you need this one? I'm being I'm being devil's I'm being being devil's advocate here. Because it it sounds like this thing's been kinda picked apart and I'm 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 trying to do this serious. You know, I, I I could pick on it and talk we could talk about Volkswagens and what it means and I don't want to do that. Um, I want to be serious here because I think, I think you're really depending on this car. Because here's my concern. The car sat for a length of time. What's, what's rusted? What has degraded further that you don't know about while the car is sitting? What do the brakes look like? What are the fluids like? What are all the rubber components like? And, and, and when does that become an issue? And when does that affect reliability? Because the bottom line comes back to you're going to start to put some money in this car to repair it, get it up on the road. And I've whether we were standing at the counter at the shop or whether we're talking here on air, I'm going to tell you the same thing. I've got to know that I did my best to give you a safe, reliable car so you're safe on the road. And and ultimately, I've got to get you to think about, you know, how far are you willing to go financially and how far are you willing to go well, for the emotional stress of it? You know, where's that line? Where does Where does Connie say enough is enough? You know, because if your question to me is, can the car be fixed, my answer is yes. It, it, it just takes dedication and checkbook. Uh, you know, it's, if there's still bubbles in the fuel line, I'd have to say where. If it's on the output side of the pump, I'm only worried about that per se if it's affecting performance. When did the car not start? Because I see in your notes that the car no longer runs. When When did that come into the picture?
2: that was a year ago it stopped it stopped running i mean we couldn't start it okay, okay? with even with a brand new battery in it we can't start it
0: mm. well but you know you can't start it that it doesn't crank over or it cranks but it doesn't run do you know the difference it Cranks
2: but it doesn't start
0: okay did it crank with the old battery no all right, so you put a ba- And even
2: when the old battery was fully, fully charged, it, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm, I said that wrong. Okay. It, did, it cranked, but okay. it didn't start, yeah. Right. So, Which is what led me to take out the starter and the battery and have them both checked.
0: Okay, but. but the guy
2: said, the battery. It,
0: if it cranks, you know, da 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 if it cranks, then it's not the starter or the battery. It's neither one. All right. Do you mow, do you mow the lawn, oh. Connie? Do you do you mow the lawn? Do you do you, do you um use a snow thrower? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. You ever go out to, and you go out to start them? Right? You have to start them. You got to hit either what well, yeah. do you got an do you have electric start or do you have a pull start? Pull. Pull. Okay. Pull start. Good girl. So, you know, you you pull on that, you know, starter cord. That's the starter in the battery right there. If you can crank it, that's not it's not that your arm is broken and it's not that the rope's not working, it just doesn't catch if it doesn't start. So, cars are like it doesn't matter, internal combustion engines and internal combustion engine. That car doesn't start if you're pulling on the rope, baby, and it's cranking and it doesn't start, it's not the rope, it's not the it's not the centrifugal clutch, it's not it's not any of that. It's either spark, fuel or mechanical. All right? Mm-hmm. So that being said, if this Volkswagen doesn't start, what's it missing? If it's got fuel pressure, does it have injector pulse? If it's got injector pulse, does it have spark? If it doesn't have spark, that's why it doesn't run. If it's mechanical, maybe it broke a timing belt. When it cranks, does it crank fast? Does it sound funny in the way that it cranks, different than the way it used to? No, no, uh uh-uh. Then we've got to start to think in terms of, did it either jump a tooth? Maybe it did. I'm not saying it did or didn't, but just something to think about. And after mechanical stuff, let's just go look at basics. Let's go look at fuel pressure. Let's go look at fuel pulse, and let's go look at spark. Because, hell, if it's got those things, it's got to run. Unless the catalytic converter melted down and the exhaust is so restricted, it's like the banana in the tailpipe in Beverly Hills Cop. The car just cuts off. But, you know, let's let's just make sure. Let's see what it is. Um, does that make sense?
2: Oh, I have to tell you, Ron, I don't know a whole lot about cars.
0: No, I know that, and I'm trying to go yes. easy for you, sweetheart. I'm not trying to overwhelm you.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, he,
2: no, it's just that a lot of that, I just, I really don't comprehend. Okay. I really do not. Well, do this. Look,
0: right. man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate that. Tony's having some right. fun with this. Tony's having some fun with this, Connie. So do this. Does Do you still have your mechanic? You like your mechanic? You trust your mechanic?
2: Oh, I've been through so many mechanics, and they don't last very long. How come? I have
0: some that I like, yeah. Okay. Well, why don't you find one that you like, and tell him to go to the website, com. This will be hour two. This will be at 3.30. This would be halfway through. And he could listen to our whole conversation, you know, if he just wants my insight. And I would tell him just treat it like basics. If it doesn't start, spark fuel or mechanical, where's the loss? And And then at least you'll have a diagnosis, because you really need – Forget all the things that the car did could do had happened brakes you know alignment and everything else cuz I can tell in talking to you you're you're you know what you're a very nice person you're just a little confused car wise and I'm just trying to get you on the track that you need somebody mm-hmm. to spend you know one or two hours I don't think this is going to be a long diagnosis and come back to you with some information what is this car missing why won't the lawnmower start is the spark plug fouled mm-hmm. does it have spark does it have gas in the tank where's the basic thing that it's missing? And then if it gets into, oh, hey, Connie, it's something much more than something obvious, it's very involved, then Connie's got to decide, this 15-year-old Volkswagen, do you want to revive it? And, you know, at that point, you know, you can make a decision financially what's it worth because the fact that it's been sitting for a length of time isn't good for it. The fact that it's got so many other issues going on for it doesn't justify it. I mean, here's a car that's probably worth... It's not running. It's worth five hundred dollars. You know, it's, it's and, it, and, and 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 if it was running, I'm just telling you what I would pay for it. If, if it was running, I I might give you fifteen hundred bucks for it. Maybe it's not worth much more than that. It's it's fifteen years old. It's got miles on it. It's kind of beat up. Um, do that. Take it to your mechanic. Have him listen to it a little bit. As far as this podcast and uh, this radio show, tell him you can download the podcast. And I would do some sort of a formal diagnosis, get a better direction, and make a decision. You'll feel better for it, and you won't have to look at it anymore. And if it's been sitting there on insurance and license plates, you won't be paying for a registration and insurance policy that you're not using. And that's an expense you have to think about. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back, Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor. No, I am here to work. That's what I love to do all day and uh, work on cars that this radio show is about. That's what my job is about. Let's go over and talk to Art in Maine, 1993, Chevy 1500, and some uh, heart start issues. Art, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
3: Hi, Ron. Art from Matter One How you doing?
0: Good, sir. What's going on?
3: Okay, I have the truck from the Twilight Zone.
0: All right, I love that. I, I love that. Well, you know, I can't watch that TV show. It kind of scares the bejesus out of me. But that's, you know, um, <laughs>
3: this might scare you too. After I tell you let's see. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a '93 Chevy. You already mentioned it, it has a uh, 5.7 V8. You know, the 350 small block. Right. It will run. You know, without the fuel pump relay.
0: Okay. That doesn't, and, uh, that doesn't scare me.
3: <laughs> okay. And how I happened to find this, you know, I was checking to see if I had spark and going back and forth, and I pulled the relay, to see if I had any uh, the 12 volts to it, and um, I had poured some gas in the TBI to see if it would start, and I had forgotten I had taken the relay out, you know, checking it. And it started right up. Well, uh, I notice now that I have to prime it to get it to run.
0: Right. Okay. I can explain and that, I can exp- and, I can explain that
3: too. It. Yeah. Okay. I can explain <laughs> that,
0: too. Go ahead. Keep going.
3: You want the rest? Okay. Good. So, anyways, uh, uh, I took it down the road. It had power. Like I say, it's a yard truck. It's my snow plow. I uh, do a lot of plowing with it up here in the uh, the wintertime. But I did take it down the road and got up into high gear, and uh, it was fine. So, when I brought it back with the relay still out of there, I tried starting it. Uh, it wouldn't start. It would turn over good, snappy. Uh, primed it again, started right up. So, that's what I got.
0: Okay. So, the reason it starts without the fuel pump relay in? Uh-huh. is because the GM engineers, and this was common, and I'll, I'll, you'll cringe when I tell you the first car I saw this on. Uh, the first yeah. car I saw this on was a Chevy Vega. Shows you how long I've been fixing cars. And, yeah, I, I mean, this goes way back. Basically, they've got an oil pressure switch override in that vehicle. Okay. All right? So when you build up enough cranking oil pressure and you close the switch, you have the right. ability to power up the fuel pump as well if the relay should stop working. It's a fail-safe thing, all right? Oh, all right. okay. So that's that. That's part of what that's for. So that's why it does that. What you're doing when you pour fuel in the throttle body, you kind of just give right. it enough to wet its whistle. It right. fires. It builds oil pressure quick enough. It closes the contacts in the switch. That energizes the pump, and you're off to the races. So okay. the the question we've got to have is why isn't it – why isn't it, um, you know, closing the relay on its own and, 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 and starting the truck? And, and, and that's the real concern. So, all I'll tell you what. Sit tight. I don't want to relate on this. Let me pull over. Let me do this legally, for lack of a better way to put it. And when I come back, we'll have a couple of three minutes, and I can give you some details. Make sure you got a pencil and paper. When I come back, I'm going to give you some specs. 855 Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, coming back right after this. <laughs> Welcome back. We're on the Car Doctor. We're talking with Art up in Maine. Art, you're still there, sir? Still there, sir. Okay. So, listen, um, you know, we want to know why isn't the fuel pump turning on? You turn that key on, don't crank it. That fuel pump relay should energize for two seconds and run the pump. So, you know, that's just normal procedure. A lot of cars do that. Uh, you know, you don't have a fuel pressure gauge by chance, do you? Well, this is a throttle body vehicle. That's kind of tough yeah, to hook in. There's. exactly.
3: Yeah, there's no port or anything. Yeah, that I there's go no,
0: there's no Schrader. You'd actually have to take. No. I, I remember this now. There's this, there's this adapter. They want you to take the fuel filter out, which kind of blows my mind. All right, I always wondered about that. They want you to take the fuel filter out to check fuel pressure, but what if it's a hardcore problem and you're doing extended testing? And you're driving the truck around for a week trying to get the fuel pump to act up, right? You're going to drive it for a week with no fuel, pre- no fuel filter. Never made yeah, any. It's, sense. A, little, Never it's
3: made a real bad. handy spot. It's in, it's in the frame rail. Oh so yeah. Oh yeah. That's
0: it's good. it's it's GM just, you know, this is when GM was starting to make giant mistakes. That's what GM stands for. So, so you know, Government Motors. Yeah, yeah, Government Motors. Before Government Motors, they were giant mistakes. So, which was what made them Government Motors. But anyway, let me do this real quick before we run out of time. Sure. So, I want you to check Great. voltage at the fuel pump if you can. There's a gray there's a gray and a black wire. All right? It's a gray wire with a black trace, if my memory serves me correctly. You should have over 10 volts cranking. If you don't have 10 volts cranking, then we've got to back feed ourselves up the line. Is the relay energizing? If the relay is not energizing, I want you to look for 12 volts on the relay on the dark green wire. You should see it for two seconds with the initial key on, and then it should be there while cranking. And then I want you to go to the battery positive uh, for battery positive on the orange wire at the fuel pump relay. And the fuel pump relay should click when you're cranking and stay on while you're cranking or... It should at least, you know, click if you're just turning the key on and buzzing that pump for, for, for two seconds. If you don't get that, you gotta get to the source of why isn't that fuel pump relay working? And then we can talk about what the next steps are. But I just want to make sure and establish a baseline. All right, call me back next week, let me know what the results are. Till then, I'm running any in the car, Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless.